Claire FM's Beyond Belief with Stephen Fletcher. It's nine o'clock on Sunday, the 21st of January, 2024. Time for Beyond Belief. Good evening, Stephen Fletcher with you again for the next hour, and we have another packed programme for you. A new dean has been installed in Chum Cathedral in the local Church of Ireland diocese. I was there at the installation and caught up with the new dean of Chum, the very Reverend Diane Matchett, for an interview which is coming up later in the programme. Also, I'm joined by Gillian Barnett, the Chief Executive of the charity World Vision Ireland, to hear about their work and the projects that they have at the moment. And of course, I catch up with my friend and colleague, Father Jerry Kenny, fresh from a retreat in Knock with his colleagues and Bishop Finton. We mull over the happenings of the past week over coffee and the last of the mince pies. How are you? I do hope you've been able to stay safe and warm this week. And as ever, wanting to match the music to the mood and to the weather, I've turned to Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong. Welcome to Beyond Belief. The snow is snowing, the wind is blowing, but I can weather the storm. What do I care how much it may storm? My love to keep me warm I can't remember A worse December Just watch those icicles fall What do I care if icicles fall I've got my love to keep me warm Off with my overcoat Off with my gloves I need no overcoat I'm burning with love on fire, the flame grows higher, so I will weather the storm. What do I care how much it may storm? I've got my love to keep me warm. Yes, snow is snowing, the wind is blowing, but I can weather the storm. What do I care how much it may storm? My love to keep me warm Yes, I can't remember I was December Just watch those icicles fall What do I care if icicles fall? Baby, I've got my love to keep me warm Oh, off with my overcoat Off with my gloves I need no overcoat I'm burning with love my heart's on fire, the flame grows higher, so I will weather the storm. What do I care how much it may storm? I've got my love to keep me warm. The snow is snowing, the wind is blowing, but I can't weather the storm, storm, storm. What do I Keep me warm 
Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong warming us up to start the programme with I've Got My Love to Keep Me Warm. Did you spot the piano playing of Oscar Peterson? That record was from many years ago, but I think still sounding as good and as fresh as the day it was pressed. Talking of things still sounding good and fresh, it's time for this... Here we are again, happy as can be, and I'm delighted to say that uh, Father Jerry Kenny is sitting opposite me. There's a pile of mince pies and some cake and some rather interesting chocolate-looking bits and pieces. So we're being spoiled again, Jerry. Well, it's always gracious uh, hospitality here <laughs> in the Stephen Fletcher studio in Kilrush, always. Very good. Well, welcome. And uh, I think you've been on retreat recently. I have, yeah. This past week, for a few days, about 20 of us, priests from the Kildare Diocese, together with Bishop Finton, we travelled up to Knock for a retreat there. And our retreat director came from Ferns, the Diocese of Ferns, Father Billy Swan. And so we spent the few days just in prayer and reflection. And it was nice, if you like, time out, if you like, for from the hectic schedules that all of us have now. But it's just time just to, to, to gather, uh, to socialise and to reflect and to pray. And it's always rejuvenating and good to see, I mean, some of our colleagues we wouldn't have met maybe for, for the past year uh, because of the spread of our diocese and that. So it was, it was very enjoyable. Yeah, very good. yeah. And of course, you're all so much more busy now that you've got additional parishes and uh, uh, con- groups of parishes now. So it must be good to be able to get away. And, uh, it is, yeah, it is. And, you know, the social aspect is important mm. in life and just comparing notes and, uh, you know, f- finding out how people are how one another are and on, on the journey and that's that's good good and this week we had the start of the week of prayer for christian unity uh, which uh, started on last thursday and goes for a week and uh, uh, interesting i was at the installation of a new dean the dean of chewham just over the border in galway there we've got a new dean there and at the installation service we had uh, the Archbishop of Chewham, the Catholic Archbishop of Chewham, who came and uh, officially welcomed the new dean. So I just felt it was very good to have uh, representation there. There were also people from the Pentecostal churches and from the Methodist church there, and they all welcomed uh, the new dean. But I thought it was uh, it's good to see that in practice we are trying to do more together. Right, I think, you know, I mean, what we do here in the programme as well is <laughs> let, let's, let's celebrate it for Christian Unity Week uh, because, you know, I suppose we're all involved in, in just making sure that the message of Jesus and its relevance for our time is spread and takes root. 
Yeah. That's what it's about and affirming all the work that has been done by good people in our world. Yeah. And of course, our two bishops, Bishop Fenton and Bishop Michael Burroughs, uh, got together and issued a, a statement on the situation in Ross Cray, which is uh, causing uh, a lot of anguish and a lot of concern. And uh, it was good to hear them getting together to come out with a joint statement on, on how we should be looking at this. Right. It's, it's- complex hmm. and as with a lot of complex things in, in life but it's good to have the you know the we, everything we do in life I think has to be in some way reflective of our beliefs and of our Christian heritage and you know trying to explore it isn't always an easy answer but it has to be viewed through that framework and I think that's what both Bishop Michael and Bishop Fintan were trying to do in that statement and just you know appealing for for calm and for peace in 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 trying to get uh, working on a resolution uh, to the thing it certainly is a challenge and I know our churches uh, our parishes of our parishes already have made any vacant properties that would be able to accommodate people refugees or people from the Ukraine they've made them available and I suppose it's it's part of this show of hospitality and of welcome that is part of the call of the gospel yeah. uh, for all of us. Yeah, and they were making the point, of course, that Joseph and Mary were refugees across to Egypt looking for uh, refuge and protection, uh, you know, when Jesus was born. So uh, there's an example there for us. Yeah, uh, you know, sometimes I think we, we have all our own concerns and things like that, but when you look at some of the situations throughout the world at the moment and the conflict that is going on, and the refugees just do need a helping hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, please God, uh, the conflicts that are causing them to come across will uh, will be solved, and people will uh, live in peace. But uh, well, yeah, and that's I suppose the thing about Christianity. I find is like it's it's not it doesn't ever have solutions, if you like. <laughs> but it's all about calling to do something. Mm. Um, to to work towards that solution and it's about us trying to respond to that call that's the challenge and actually as we enter this week in the Catholic world we celebrate Catholic Schools Week and the whole theme of that for our Catholic schools primary, secondary level is just a reflection on a core part of our faith which is about service Uh, the service we do in our communities, the service that we give to one another and the ways in which our schools provide service and welcome. And, you know, schools have really been at the front of welcoming the Ukrainians and other refugees into the communities and a vital part of helping the integration that is needed in our communities. Schools have been doing tremendous work and and this week is is an opportunity for them to celebrate that. Some schools as well have used the occasion this week to have what they call Grandparents Day where they invited the grandparents of the children in the school to come for a little celebration in that. So, you know, there's there's a lot there's a lot that's happening that is positive. Maybe sometimes, you know, we get stuck into the difficult situations, but there's a lot of good things happening as well and uh, of efforts to integrate and to welcome people. Yeah. And of course, the weather this week has been uh, 
Oh, I suppose it's typical of a winter's day, but it's been very cold, and uh, I don't know. I haven't seen any snow. I don't know if you got any in Kilkee well, or in Knock. We got it up in Mayo. When did we you were in retreat? Yeah, we did. But as you say, it's nice weather as long as you're careful on the roads and on the footpaths and that. And it's it's nice once it's it's dry. I think we're going to be back to a little bit of rain now, but uh, you know the the dryness is is always good because you can get out and about. Just be careful. Yeah, that's right. You do have to be careful. And I was up in Mayo when the first of the frost hit. You know, I drove up there early in the morning. And yeah, you have to take care. And uh, I do hope that all our listeners take care and, and keep warm as well, I think. So, Jerry, thank you so much. Welcome back, uh, refreshed and renewed and, and ready for duties again in Kilkee. And uh, I look forward to seeing you again. We might even have some mince pies still left over. Oh, if, you can, uh, if you can hide them away <laughs> until next week and we'll will. prolong, prolong will. The, the light. Thanks again for your hospitality as always. Not at all. Thank you, Jerry. Bye now. My thanks to Father Jerry Kenny, joining us fresh from his retreat earlier in the week. Here is local Clare composer and musician, Teresa Carrig, who we had on the programme a few months ago. This is Rockabye from her latest album. In a world where love and laughter flow
Well, you're tuned to Beyond Belief on this Sunday evening, and I'm very pleased to have been joined by Gillian Barnett from World Vision Ireland. And Gillian, welcome and good to see you. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. And uh, we met back in April, I think, and you were telling us about the projects uh, that you're doing now. Perhaps just tell us a little bit about World Vision, because it is worldwide, isn't it? It's not just in Ireland. It's a, a big organisation. Perhaps just tell us a little bit about that. Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, so World Vision Ireland is part of World Vision, which is the world's largest uh, child-focused non-governmental agency and we spend a lot of our time working with the most vulnerable children in the world's hardest places to ensure that they that they live life in all its fullness. And so you do this, uh, you obviously require sponsorship. I remember from our conversation previously that people can sponsor a particular child, but also you're, you're doing some other projects as well. Yes, that's right. So a lot of our funding does indeed come from sponsors all around the world who sponsor one or more children. Um, but the unique thing about World Vision sponsorship is that each child only has one sponsor. And we really encourage those sponsors to build a relationship with that child, for example, by sending birthday cards or Christmas cards uh, to the children or just writing to the children. And in return, they get responses from the children, uh, they get annual updates, they get education updates from that child and their community. Um, so sponsorship is a very important way that we fund. We also do get some support from governments around the world. So the Irish government in particular is, is a generous supporter and, and a really valued supporter for World Vision Ireland. And we've also really begun to go out and ask some companies to help work with us. We apply to some trusts as well for some funding. And uh, we're also increasingly wanting to work with churches. Right. And, and what countries are you working in at the moment? World Vision Ireland, I mean. Yes, yeah, so World Vision Ireland are currently in 17 countries around the world. Really? Yes, and we have um, sponsorship programmes in three of those. So in Nepal, in Uganda and in Tanzania. And then with and those countries are stable enough. They're very low developing countries, but they're stable enough in order for World Vision Ireland to win for at least 10 years and really build up those communities, um, working with the community elders at the beginning to find out what is needed in those communities and then working with the leaders in those communities to establish the plans. And then some other countries that we're working in for short, more shorter term projects are, for example, the DRC. We're working there to make sure to really look at education, particularly women's education. And we're working in many different countries as well, looking at how we can supply food, because food is such a basic and much needed area that, that we can all support with. We know that we are on the brink of famine in many of these countries. And we are really working with lots of different agencies, lots of different uh, partners to ensure that the food that we have in this world is actually adequately distributed. We produce over 8 billion tonnes of food every year, which is more than enough to feed every woman, man and child in the planet. But unfortunately, it's how the food is distributed within these systems that is just so blatantly unfair. And so we're working to ensure that there is enough food for everybody to have. And, and that's this campaign, Enough, yes. which uh, I've read about. Yes, that's right. So our Enough campaign is just we want to stand with the world's children in particular to say enough is enough. There is enough food for every child on this planet and we've had enough of the fact that nobody is getting it. How will you convert that into action? How, you're raising awareness, but have you got plans as to how you might improve the distribution and things like that? Yes, yeah, so first of all, we 
you know, money talks. So we are looking to see how many organisations we can partner with to raise funds. We're looking to see from individuals as well to give what they can afford. But ultimately, we do need to really build those partnerships and build it into policy for local governments to ensure that food is more fairly distributed around the world. We also, World Vision are the world's largest partner of the World Food Programme. And the World Food Programme is a, an organisation which ensures that food is sent to where it's most needed. So for example, to refugee camps around the world and to places where we know that um, climate change has really devastated the, the local food uh, production. So we work very closely with the World Food Programme and we're actually hoping to ramp up that support to work alongside them. But I, I suppose you also need to work in the rich nations to ensure that they divert some of the excesses that we have to these places that need it so desperately. Yes, absolutely. And it can even be a case, it's not even so much of sending the food produce from the richer countries to the, the less rich countries, it's actually just ensuring that the food that's produced in those less rich countries stays there. Yes, of course, and not exported. Yes. Adding air miles and yes, all the rest of it. Yes, all of that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. Good. And uh, you have other projects as well. Yes. Yeah, so the campaign that we're really focusing on just now is our 100 Girls campaign. And what that is, is that we have got 100 girls who are urgently waiting now for a sponsor. And we would really like these girls to be sponsored before the 8th of March, which is the International Women's Day. And you can sponsor boys and girls, obviously, but the reason that we're focusing on girls just at this time is because we know that girls are the most likely to suffer when there is any catastrophe. They'll suffer first. They're often the first to be sold if a family needs to have food for the rest of the family uh, or from early child marriage. They are trafficked. They can often be the last ones to receive, even just in their family, they can always often be the last ones to receive food. And so we're really urgently asking for 100 people to stand with us to sponsor these, these girls who are waiting. And how would people get in touch? What's the process? What do you have to do to sign up? You know, how can people get in touch with you? So people can call in to the office or they can uh, visit our website at worldvision.ie and there they can go on and they can see the girls that we have who are waiting to be sponsored and they can select one of those girls. So for example, for myself, when I became a child sponsor, it was very important to me that I sponsored a girl who had the same birthday as my daughter's because what I really wanted to do with that was just my children have a lot they're very they're privileged children and so I wanted them to understand that that the world isn't quite like that for everyone so when when it's our sponsored children's birthdays we get together we write a card we send a small gift a little bracelet or something like that over to the children and then those children reply back to us with thanks and also to say you know how their birthday went and that's been a really important it's not part of our family time and we do the same again at Christmas but it's really interesting for the girls. They can go into school and they can say that their sponsored child who's the same age as them is doing this at this moment in time. And they've begun to share that with their class and really had really quite interesting feedback from other, other children in their classes. Just recently, we held a sponsorship event in a local church to our offices in Dublin, uh, where, we were, where we went along and we were invited to speak to the congregation there. And we were able to say that we were wanting to have some child sponsors. And we talked a little bit about some of the sponsorship aspects of what's expected from the sponsor and what, you know, what kind of things they'll get in return. And we had a really lovely meeting with those people. We, we selected one community that those uh, 
children would be from so that there can be some sort of shared uh, community within the church then themselves when they're sending their letters and when they're receiving letters back and that's been really successful. And you've got these children sponsored and you know have you seen how it's changed lives? Oh, absolutely, yes. We have got numerous stories about how it's changed lives. In fact, actually, the uh, the current leader of our projects in uh, Uganda was himself a sponsored child. And when you when you when you read his story or when you meet him and you see the impact of sponsorship, just even on his life, you absolutely can see the the value of sponsorship. But another story that comes to mind is um, of a child in Bangladesh called Monica. And she, when she was 14, her father and family decided that actually that she should be married. And it was only the fact that she was a sponsor and had taken part in some World Vision programmes that she understood that that was actually not the, the right path for any child. And so she contacted the World Vision team in her community and they were able to go back and speak to the family and talk about different alternatives and came out with a really an excellent outcome for her. But the most amazing thing about this particular child, Monica, is that she understood the value of what had happened to her. And so she has made it her mission at just 14 years old to ensure that other children in her community are not married. And what we've learned so far is that there have been 10 child marriages that she has prevented. Obviously not her on her own, but she has been the, the force behind ensuring that those children have had representation, that they have known where to go to access support, and I'm sure that there will be many more. We know that sponsorship not only benefits the child who's sponsored, but everyone else in their community because of the impact of that. We know that in the communities, they the education is, is transformed because teachers get really great um, guidance and tools to help them. We um, ensure that there's water at the schools, which means that A, the children can go to school in the first place because they're not having to trek for miles to get water. They can have their education, get the water on the way home and go back with the water. And it's good, clean, safe water for them. But we also know that within the communities themselves, there's a lot of education about children's rights, about the rights of women, about how life can be. And that is what we're really, really, really hopeful for, that if we can just increase the number of children who are sponsored, then that just has this multiple multiplying effect across all, the, um, across all of the communities that we work in. You mentioned child marriage and the fact that you had educated the girls that they realised that it was wrong. What exactly are the dangers of child marriage? And I just wonder if it, it causes problems with the local community, that you're stopping something that had been a tradition for many, many years. Do, do you find resistance from the elders of the villages that you're trying to change the way that they've been doing things for years? Yes and no. It's not really so much that we're trying to change things. We're just trying to show them a different way and explaining to them why that's so important. Because what we are saying is that if a child is married, it's very likely that that child will become pregnant whilst they themselves are children. And then the outcomes of that um, pregnancy and resulting birth are often not very favourable because children are not meant to be giving birth. And the elders do know that. And so I, I think that that they too are often looking for different and better ways for their communities, often their parents themselves or they they have loved children in the in the communities themselves. So that you know there is there is an appetite for a better way. But the, the risk of child marriage at this moment in time is actually higher than it's been, not in our sponsored communities, but in the areas that, that we're not currently working in, which is why we really want to start working in those areas. 
Over the next decade, we must estimate that up to 10 million more girls are at risk of becoming a child bride just because of the pandemic. We know that school closures increase marriage risk by 25% per year, and we have seen that schools have not yet reopened because of the pandemic, or because sometimes of climate change as well, where, for example, rivers have uh, flooded so that the access to school has not been possible. We know that today, over 650 million women today were married as children. And that is a statistic that we absolutely do not want to see happen. And we want to make sure that, that we are giving these children the alternatives. So alternatives give them education, educate them about their rights, educate them about what they can, how they can do things differently, and educate them that they can stand together with other girls in the community to ensure that that's not... These children are not saying they don't want to be married. They're just saying that they don't want to be married before they've had a chance for education. And I just think it's really important that they get those opportunities that, that we do take for granted here often. And we really encourage them to continue with their education and then to provide that information on for generations to come. One of the other areas that we're really keen to develop more with churches is we recently took part in a research project with Barna Research and also Alpha, where we were researching into youth attitudes to Jesus. And we have got a lot of really, really valuable information from this. We have not only a worldwide study, but also one that focused specifically on Ireland. And we would be delighted to share that with churches free of charge um, if people wanted to contact us at partnerships at worldvision.ie and just email and just say you've heard me on the radio and that you'd really like us to send you that. We'd be delighted to send you that research totally free of charge and some other information as well that might be helpful on that. Yeah. Well, Gillian, thank you for explaining and talking about this, uh, this project. And let's hope you get 100 girls before the 8th of March, International Women's Day. It's a challenge, isn't it? Yes. But, uh, <laughs> good luck with that. And uh, how can people get in touch to be one of the 100 sponsors of these girls? Oh, we would love you to give us a call. Um, so you can call us on 01 0800. And that's 01 or you can visit our website at wellvision.ie or you can email us at partnerships at wellvision.ie and we would absolutely love um, to speak with you, to talk with you through all of the different um, elements that you might want to consider before you become a sponsor. Uh, we would love to share with you some of the details of the girls who are waiting to be sponsored. Very good. Gillian Barnett, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. Where are you now when darkness seems to win? Where are you now when the world is crumbling? Oh, I, I, I hear you say, I hear you say, look up, child.
was Lauren Daigle with Look Up Child. You're tuned to Beyond Belief on this Sunday evening. And I'm very pleased to have been joined by a new dean. A new dean in the Church of Ireland has been appointed in Chum, just over the border. And so I'm very pleased that Diane Matchett is here with me this evening. Diane, you're most welcome. Thank you. And just tell us a little bit about you. So you've come from Armagh Diocese, I think. So you've come down across the border into County Galway. So um, I'm very pleased to be saying and have said yes to the West. And myself, uh, my husband and my son, Casper. I am from County Armagh, um, but have served in Connor, Derry and Raffoe, Armagh, and now the United Diocese of Tuam, Limerick and Killaloo. How large are your parishes now? How many parishes have you got, as well as having the cathedral to look after? What other parishes have we got? Uh, I have seven worshipping centres, so uh, I will have Kong, Eris Lannan, Roundstone, Clifton, Ashley Falls, Maillard, and of course St Mary's Cathedral in Tuam. So it is a vast area and I'm looking forward to packing up my lunchbox and getting out and connecting with my parishioners, visiting them and also with the community at large. Very good. Let's just think about your journey to to get here. How did you begin? How long have you been a priest? Uh, My journey begins, I guess, right back whenever I was a young teenager when and my faith became more real to me when I was around 11. My family are large. I have a big family of nine, there's nine of us, eight other siblings. I'm a twin to my brother, David. And I was involved in the Church of Ireland from a very young age in Anakmore Church of Ireland in the Diocese of Armagh. And was encouraged to go to, to church and Sunday school and was involved in a lot of stuff, extra Christian activities as well. Um, I worked in a nursing home as a carer and then I was encouraged to attend Bible College and I went to Bible College in England in Northumbria Bible College in Berwick-upon-Tweed and I did my first degree there so it was a, a degree in theology through Open University and then I was invited to take up a post in the Church of Ireland as church worker in Derry Lorne in Cookstown under the leadership of Canon Norman Porteous and sponsored of course by Robin Eames, Archbishop Robin Eames. So after four years there, I was delighted to be feeling the call towards ordained ministry. And indeed, it was through people, lay people on the ground who were the ones who said, you know, this is for you, because this is a really good fit for you in terms of ordained ministry. And indeed, one of the people who was preaching at my institution and installation in the cathedral was Canon Paul Hoey, who was one of the people who interviewed me at Cactum. From there, I went, of course, to stay in Bremer Park and was ordained in 2005 to the curacy of Christ Church Lisburn. So that's, uh, that's impressive that uh, you've been sort of a, a constant from the age of 11 quite often we come across people who have suddenly seen the light you know at the age of 30 or something like that and and become christian but you have been steadily progressing along this journey that has brought you to Chum. well i would absolutely say that that mine and it's not wasn't a flashing light but it certainly was a definite decision to follow Jesus when I was 11 and that was through the the ministry strong ministry of another clergy person Roy Boyd 
who was my minister and who baptised myself and, and my siblings and was also someone who was involved in signing my letters testimonial for ordination. So Canon Roy Boyd was a massive influence in my early years and was ahead of his time as a Church of Ireland clerk. And so, yes, our life is generally a slow burner in terms of the learning and the growing and the discipleship. But for me, it, it was very much the influences of good people in my life. And my mother, who I will always be talking about as a source of inspiration and hope and support, who was always there behind me. She was she was a massive influence in faith for me in my life yeah. and will continue uh, to be that. Yeah. Uh, and so here you are in this uh, diocese and here you are in the cathedral. Did you ever think that you would be a dean in a large cathedral, a historic cathedral as well? I, I When I was ordained, people said to my mother, um, you know, I'm sure you're very proud of Diane. And all she said, I'm very thankful. And and it's the same. I, I absolutely could say I would never have imagined that I would be standing in a, such a historic cathedral um, as St Mary's in Chewham and, and to be feeling that sense of history, but also to know that the Bible tells us that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And, and I, I feel nothing but thankfulness. There's no room for arrogance or pride in the wrong sense. There's only uh, space for humility and, and thankfulness and gratitude. And, and I am so grateful for what God has done. And, and I am not a career cleric. I'm not that kind of person. But all along, God has just opened doors. And that's why it's for us a yes to the West, as it was a yes to Mid-Ulster, as it was a yes to the North Coast, as it was a yes to ordained ministry. It wasn't a massive, big, crazy thing. It was just God opened the door. If the door's open, I'm willing to go through it. I told my husband, Mark, that when we met, that God was always going to be the first in my life and you were second. Right? And, and, and that's it, because God is first in everything. So you mentioned Mark. You also have a son, nine-year-old son, Casper. Correct, yes. And uh, has he started school here? Casper, we arrived in County Mayo in Kong here on uh, the 7th, Sunday the 7th of January. Tra after travelling down and Casper started school in Kong National School the next morning and it's been a real blessing I mean and he's loving it and yeah so it's been so good. That's brilliant because I mean it must be daunting for a young lad to leave friends and make new ones so uh, it's great that he's already feeling settled. Yes he is and when I announced to my parishes in Middlestow that I was leaving in the end of August and my family came and looked after Casper while Mark was present with me doing that in, in the churches, both churches, Kildress and uh, Alta Desert. And when we came home and announced it to our son, he started to cry and then he said, Mommy, is that where they have the best burgers and chocolate chip cookies? So, you know, Connemara and this area is under our skin and has been for quite some time because we are holiday and we often talked about this would be a wonderful place to retire but God had different plans because there is no notion of retirement God willing God will keep us healthy to, to minister in this in this time and for this season so there's no time to, to, to waste God is at work and I want to be involved in whatever God has 
planned for for me and for my family and for the people. Yeah, and and for your family, you've got the best burgers and the best chocolate cookies. Right. In mm. Ireland. Yes, and of course. Who knew that? No, indeed, <laughs> indeed. So you've been coming here on holiday regularly, have you? Absolutely. It is uh, from, I guess. Is it 15 years? I can't quite remember the, the... But certainly we came and we camped. Myself and my husband camped in Gertine Bay outside Roundstone. And we did also a tour of Ireland, but, but that part of the world became something really special and important to us. And we would have worshipped in St Mary's Roundstone. So that was something really important to us uh, then. And even in St Mary's Church in 2014, 2014 there was a, a signature from myself in the book, The Visitor's Book. And we love it, um, and we love that there is just beauty and and a switching off and an unplugging from from what is a very busy life. So yeah. So <laughs> talking about your life with all these parishes to be involved in, how are you going to manage it? How are you going to get round? You know, not only have we got a lot of churches and a lot of parishes, but it's the distance between them as well, isn't it? Yes, and I'm looking forward to finding creative ways to make that happen. And um, and if there's anyone out there in, in, in this part of the world that has a helicopter that, that like to donate to my cause, I would be so grateful. Um, but my plan is, of course, to, to use my car will be my mobile office. And I've been so blessed to have been gifted with so many things from my parishes that I have served with, and particularly uh, in recent times with Mid-Ulster. And one of those things is, has been a lovely set of lunch boxes. So I'll be packing up my food and I will be heading all directions in the context of the parish. And I don't believe that any conversations are insignificant. So every conversation, parishioner and likewise, will be very much something that I look forward to. And I would imagine the first year or so, you're just going to be getting to know the lie of the land and to get to know the people, right. you know, before any grand plans as to anything else. I mean, is that how you see it? Or have you got a vision now of what you want to achieve? I, I guess I have both. I, I don't believe that things should be changed that are not broken. But as Paul Howey preached last night, you know, there will be things that need adjusting, perhaps. They need adjusting now. And that I need to know what's happening before I can make that happen under God. And But the big important thing for me is to value what has gone before and to build a team. And the team that exists to build that team and, and to learn from that team and to continue to resource that team. And and, and I am a team player. I, I am someone who is energized by working in teams. And I appreciate the team that has carried my churches, I can say that now, my churches and my cathedral thus far in the vacancy, paying tribute to the previous Dean, Dean Grimison, who have, of course was from Northern Ireland, from Dungannon, I believe. So I'm, I'm looking forward to celebrating the past, but also building on that foundation with laity and uh, clergy colleagues as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And will you have any uh, additional support from clergy? Is it just you as the one ordained person in these uh, seven churches or, or will you have support as well? Uh, that door is firmly open. And I've already had a couple of emails from clergy colleagues that would be retired that are willing to come in and, and support on, on a casual basis. Uh, that's also a conversation that's still open with Bishop Michael Burroughs in that regard. But what, what I would say is that I am uh, very passionate about fully collaborative ministry. Um, right across my parish and, and, and the cathedral. So it's about 
fully engaging and in ministry that it's a joyful experience as well as a deeply sensitive and deeply pastoral position and pastoral service so it's really really important to me that pastorally people are 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 upheld and ministered to and I would in terms of strengths and weaknesses my weakness is of course that I can work too hard Uh, that's just inbuilt within me so my challenge will be to look after myself as well in the midst of this but the strengths are that pastoral care is at the very core of who I am and that my diaconate year was the foundation for everything that that ministry is to me. Whether I become archbishop or anything else, I laugh at that, but I would have laughed at becoming a dean, you know, and I have no such aspirations, just to be clear. But, but you know, whatever God calls me to, the diaconal year is is, is all about serving people and, and serving others. So, I was very impressed that we had representation from other denominations, and even an Archbishop, Archbishop of Chum, who spoke very warmly of working together. And there seems to be, ecumenism seems to be working or burgeoning in Chum and, and Omi. How do you see that developing? Do you, you know, there were representations from the Pentecostal Church, also from the Methodist Church, and also from the Catholic Church, as I said, with the Archbishop there. So you had support from all directions there. And that'll be interesting to see how that develops. I'm really looking forward to that. And, you know, it's just about being human together and having honest conversations and where we can work together. I will be delighted to do that. And not just to have shared the, the difficult times, but to share genuine love and genuine humanity. I'm really looking forward to that. And I was honoured that representation uh, was made from the various churches and from the beautiful body of Christ. And I was very impressed by all that was said and particularly noted that the Archbishop of Chewham uh, had read what was written about myself. I, I, I actually was really taken back by that. So it shows me that there is a genuine interest and a genuine desire for connection. And I'm looking forward to those cups of coffee. I'm looking forward to those interactions. And, and I really can't wait, to be honest. And also you were welcomed by civic leaders, of Correct. course. Two TDs. Uh, yes. no. <laughs> Uh, that was uh, quite something uh, as well, um, pledging their, their desire to, to sit down with you and, and have coffee and uh, have a chat. And uh, you seem to be very open to that. Yeah, and, and obviously this is a radio broadcast, so, so you can't see me smiling from ear to ear. I, 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 I was thrilled to hear that and 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 to be invited into that lovely dialogue as well and and uh, I just hope and pray that that opportunity is 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 happening soon because I if if they're listening um I welcome that and and I was delighted to have representation from the political sphere it was a very special opportunity and and I still I mean it was just yesterday that I was instituted and installed in St Mary's and I'm processing a lot of the impressions still but uh, I'm so grateful and so thankful for all that happened and for the beautiful choir and the conductor uh, and the Alana the organist and everyone who made uh, it all just work so smoothly from people at the gate to people who have put together the service and and everybody in between it was just amazing. 
Well, Diane, welcome to this new adventure that you're taking part in. We look forward to seeing how your energy develops and how you get around all these interesting people, the different denominations, the political leaders, but more importantly, I'm sure from your point of view, are the parishes as well. And so thank you very much for your time. You've only recently been appointed, so thank you for your time today. And uh, God bless you, and I wish you every success in your new ministry. Thank you, Stephen, for this opportunity. And of course, I'm looking forward to all that's ahead in genuine partnership, obviously, with my own husband and my family, because um, they are my rock and my world. I'm looking forward to welcoming in due course people to the deanery, parishioners and, and people in the community to the deanery because one of the, the big strengths and one of the big passions of ours is hospitality and we look forward to welcoming people here to this place to our home in the deanery in Kong, I'd say Kong but my whole parish is my commitment and people in my parish come first and, and, and obviously my connections with the community will be very strong and I look forward to that as well. So thank you for the opportunity and to those who are listening, God bless you and I look forward to connecting with you and if you're listening and you want to connect with me, make your way and, and make contact with me. I look forward to that. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is Eleanor Shanley and Shannon Waters.
That's Eleanor Shanley there with Shannon Waters. Here's the ukulele sound of Joe Brown and I'll See You In My Dreams. I thought it was a good one to finish with. Though the days are long Twilight sings a song Of the happiness that used to be Soon my eyes will close Soon I'll find repose And in dreams you're always near to me I'll see I'll See You In My Dreams by Joe Brown and it brings us towards the end of tonight's Beyond Belief. My thanks go to Gillian Barnett for telling us about the work of World Vision Island and let's hope they exceed their target of getting 100 sponsors signed up before the 8th of March International Women's Day. Also, my thanks go to the new Dean of Chewham, Diane Matchett, for inviting me to the deanery so soon after her big move, just 10 days ago. And of course, I thank Father Jerry Kenny for our chat over coffee and mince pies. 
Remember, you can listen again by going to the Claire FM website and clicking on the catch-up tab. And you can join me for Sunday prayer at a quarter to eight next Sunday morning and Beyond Belief next Sunday evening at 9pm. And as we close, let us just pause and hold all those in Israel, Palestine, Gaza and Ukraine in our hearts and pray for a fair and just solution to the conflict. And I pray for all those caught up in violence elsewhere in the world. This is Stephen Fletcher and, as ever, I thank you for being with me this evening and I wish you a joyful and a peaceful week ahead. Do keep warm and dry and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Slán agus banachd. <laughs>